listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast may contain language and discussions of a frank and adult nature, and spoilers regarding the films discussed are always to be expected. Thank you for joining us. Now start the show, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on site! We're back. This is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 136, and I'm your host, Lee. I'm dead. Please bury me, Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, the wonderful, amazing, making his first appearance on the show, Duncan. Call it black magic. Call it a medical breakthrough. I'll take my secret to the grave, McLeish. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> so it's, a, it's a mouthful, but I, I like to hope that it sticks beyond this recording. I'm doing really well. <laughs> Thanks very much for having me on. Um, I know that we've been talking about this for about a year and a bit. Yeah. Barely than ever. I've noticed that, well, unless you're like part of Legion podcasts or something like that, a lot of these proposed uh, team-ups, they seem to take a year or more to actually happen. So... I mean, yeah. I I only finally got to podcast with uh, Ricky Morgan and Johnny Krug a few months back after talking about it for probably about as long as we've talked about uh, getting together <laughs> on this show. So, I, I mean, I, like, on my show, it's kind of it's kind of open door policy, which in theory should work. Like, because I'm like that, yeah, anyone can come on at any time. You just give me a shout, and we'll we'll hook it up. I'll get it slotted in, and we'll get all arranged. And then life gets in the way, which inevitably means it will take months to try and... Plus, it doesn't help that I'm in a completely different time zone. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it tends to... What, what do they say? The, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, yes. which is basically podcasting in general. Or trying to do podcasts with people you like uh, means you have to wait a long time. But it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. Like just last night, Gary Hill, who's really good at barging in on other people's podcasts and bringing <laughs> other people long that those people have never heard of before uh last <laughs> night I did mandy on um mark merriman's uh just the movies podcast uh, I guess oh nice called. yeah so yeah it, it eventually gets done it eventually gets done so 
<laughs> yeah, Gary, Gary will do that. Um, mm-hmm. Gary seems to Gary seems to know when anyone's project, and he's right there, like on the cusp, ready to do it. Or, or like you say, link things. I, I've got him. He's he's recording. This will date this episode, but he's recording with me uh, tomorrow for um, the finale of right. the big summer series that I run every year. He's already forewarned me that it's going to be controversial. and he's But he says all that stuff, then he comes on, and then he's the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> and he's not controversial at all. And he's, a, he's a good guy. He's a good, but, yeah, it's a, it's a weird little world that you inhabit when you're, you're a podcaster that talks about genre movies. We're all kind of like our own unique little countries, and sometimes we have alliances, and sometimes we don't, and those alliances tend to be built on the films that we really, really, really like. So, <laughs> um, which is why I'm really excited about this because I'd like because you guys, I've I've been a big fan since I found out about your show through a mutual friend of ours, the rather surly Mike Murphy, <laughs> who's who started talking about your show ages ago, and um, I, I was like, I need to check these guys out, and I very foolishly, without thinking about it just instantly jumped in thinking it's another horror podcast. And I started listening to the the mixture of genre stuff that you do. And I was like, I really, really like that. I, I, it, just, it was like a breath of fresh air. And I did not know, I knew what like, we were talking about me coming on. I didn't know where we were going to go with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if we were going to stick within genre or out with genre or wh- where we were going to go. And um, you, you swung a couple at me. And there was one on there which instantly I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I did not get my fill of talking about this a couple of years ago. Uh, I really want to watch it again and really want to talk about it. And um, it's not often I get excited about talking about like a movie that I haven't really been like, for, for lack of a better term in using Scottish slang, ball deep. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of it, invested, as in seen it like a hundred times. This is like a second watch for me and... Yeah, there's, there's a whole hell of a lot that makes me really happy about the movie. Uh, so once again, thank you for giving me the forum in which to talk well, about it. Well, I mean, it, it's my pleasure to have you, and uh, especially to return the favor since I was on your show once. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we are going to be talking about Dead and Buried from 1981. But before that, I'll throw to you really quick. If there's anything you've watched in the last little while you want to talk about, the floor is open to you. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, a um, couple of things. I, I watched Upgrade, mm-hmm. that new movie by um, Lee Winnell, who's the kind of writing partner of James Wan, who you know has done like everything now and is like directing Aquaman, I think, is his next movie. So he's yeah. obviously... He's now big time. You know, he's with Fast and Furious, Aquaman, occasional horror, mo- horror movie. Um, I'm not a big fan of Lee Winnell at all. Uh, I think he's writing at times is a bit clunky. And mm-hmm. he's only ever directed one other movie, which was Insidious 3, which I found wholly pointless. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it was an all right movie, but you cannot throw peril into a movie for main characters that I know are going to be in the next movie because it's a prequel. It kind of diffuses the whole situation. And I didn't really like the the editing or direction of that movie either. So everyone has been spunking themselves about this movie this year. (laughs) Upgrades, the greatest thing. It's so easy and it's like Robocop and it's like the Terminator and everyone's going to love it. And it's okay. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that's That's, what I said. Yeah. That's as far as I can go. Is it's okay. You watch it, and all you can think about is yes, it is very Robocop, and Robocop is a better movie, um, mm-hmm. which is the shame. And it's the problem about being too beholden to 
a particular art type of movie template from a different decade is the nostalgia for watching that movie just is all the way through it and that's all I wanted to watch. Uh, it was yeah, it was it was an alright movie, but I don't understand why everyone is like you know going to the the rafters with this one claiming it's the the second coming of a new sci-fi action horror movie because uh, it's not yeah <laughs> so, yeah it's a bit of a shame what else have i seen because I, I have to balance everything out uh, so that was a kind of mediocre one I need to talk about a really 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 good one i'll tell you what i did watch last night uh i put my my friend because i'm riding solo in the house at the moment my wife's away abroad with my daughter so i had a, a buddy around we went for a run last night out for some food. He's not a horror fan at all. And he was like, I'll just pick a movie and we'll just watch it. I've got the very movie for you. And blew his tiny little mind. Uh, he was not ready for PCs. No one is ready for PCs. <laughs> so, it's a movie I've seen about a million times. It is one of the worst acted, worst put together, maybe one of the worst dubbed movies I've ever seen in my yes. entire life. But it is a pure entertainment good. There's no way you can finish that movie and not smile ear to ear about what the fuck did I just watch? And I've lost count of how many times I've seen that movie now, and I've lost count of how many podcasts I've talked about. Um, but yeah, I watched that again last night. I just, uh, I, it's like chicken soup for the soul. That movie, it's just, <laughs> it just makes me feel good every time. So yeah, that's that's the, the most recent stuff. Some TV, but that's the the, the movie wise. Uh, very much looking forward. I do a thirty one of October every year. And I only mm-hmm. watch horror movies that I haven't seen that have come out in the current year. And there's a ton on there that I'm really looking forward to. And the the one that's topping the list, uh, my uh, Halloween movie of choice, is the aforementioned Mandy that yeah. you were talking about. Uh, it's been it's, it's been that way since I think it got announced at Sundance uh, earlier on in the year. I was like that. Yeah, this movie, if it's out in time for Halloween, it's going to be my Halloween movie. And I'm hearing nothing but. Duncan will love this movie, so I can't fucking wait. Yeah, on VOD right now, available to everybody. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I think I made a comment to you that I both envy you, and um, I also feel bad for you having to wait till uh, Halloween <laughs> to watch it. But I envy you getting to have your first shot at Mandy and 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 be just wowed that first time. It's um, so it didn't get any. It's not doing any proper cinema run in the UK, so it just yeah. goes straight to Blu-ray and DVD on the 29th of October. So it's like right before Halloween. So I, I couldn't have been timed any better. And yeah. the last movie to do that uh, ended up topping my my list. That year was Neon Demon, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I fucking love it. But it was the same thing. I couldn't wait to get it. It came out like a day before Halloween, shoved it on that night and just sat and and wept quietly to myself. This is such a beautiful movie. This is, this is a remake of Suspiria I'm never going to get. And then they remade Suspiria. So um, who, figured, who knew? Yeah. yeah, they they've apparently made a uh, near three-hour Suspiria uh, remake. So... <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't want to say the word is anxious to see it. Maybe intrigued is 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 what I'd, I'd say. Okay, but hey, it, it might work. Who knows? I don't. Uh, I don't know that the as the. I think it's the initial kind of knee jerk response from from a lot of people online uh, has been that because it doesn't look like an Argento movie, they're instantly oh, yeah. up in arms in it. But what I saw when I saw the trailer was a very deliberate attempt to kind of recreate like a kind of 70s Euro horror mm-hmm. styling, which to me is perfect. You know, give me that and I'm I'm very happy. Um, but I'm like you, there's there's enough story in there 
for about an hour and a half. So how you get another hour into that movie yeah. is the bit I'm a bit confused about. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's still like one of my most anticipated watches for the year, but I, I am tempering it with a, there's a very good chance that I go in and watch it and think, well, you blew it. Um, <laughs> but the casting is so strong. Uh, anything yeah. with Tilda Swindon and I'm there. I think she is like legitimately one of the best actresses walking the planet right now. So And everyone that was involved with the project seems super confident and they're already talking about completing a new trilogy with it, which oh, may be a bit maybe a bit ahead of the curve. That's um, a lofty, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get there, but if they do, I don't want the same director doing all three. If they do, I would really like to see three individual visions on three of those stories. I think that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, what we want and what we get, Lee, are two completely different things. Yeah, this is what you want. This is what you get. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as a mutual friend of ours would uh, proclaim. Um, <laughs> Which versus the Doomsday Clock? Just check it out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we can move on now to something that everyone who is new to this podcast gets to do. They get to play the Movie God game. Movie God. Now, Duncan, I don't know if you're familiar with this game or not. Um, I'm sure I've heard it, but you're going to have to refresh my memory (laughs) Okay, so this is a game where you have to kill one of your darlings, okay? So basically what I do is I pick something for you that's movie-related. It can either be two actors, two directors, two scriptwriters, two uh, people who post scores for films, or two films. I give you two, and you have to eliminate one. You're the movie god, so you're eliminating one of these things from the timeline, from existence. It never happened. And oh, God. so, so you have to make that decision. And so, Duncan, you are the movie god, and tonight you have to eliminate one of two of these people. You can either eliminate David Lynch, or you can eliminate David Cronenberg. That is like the worst thing you could ever do to me. Like literally <laughs> the worst fucking thing. Lee Russell, you're a bad man. I, I take everything everything back that I said nice about this show is now being taken. <laughs> but I wish we could delay this recording another year. That's <clears> like oh, so you basically pick like two of my all time favourite directors and yeah, just kinda, I, oh, fuck. You gotta so you should, you know, should vocally work this out, think about, you know, what each guy has created, not even just in movies, like what they've done in TV. Like oh, for, yeah. for for example, no Duncan and Bo come correct uh with uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. You might you you two might not be talking to each other right now because of your mutual distaste for X Files. <laughs> oh man. Cause yeah, because like I, I and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to a Canadian. I think David Cronenberg is legitimately one of the most unique, one of the most unique and interesting voices I've ever seen in cinema. I, I think even even his worst films are still there's still so many talking points, and you lean into into so much. And David Lynch is just wholly weird, and mm-hmm. I kind of love that about him. I think there's something. Amazing about trying to wrap your head around anything that guy does. And that last season of Twin Peaks might be one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. I mean, it was like a, a artistic odyssey into the abyss of occultism and only one can survive. Well, 
The thing is, the thing is, Mulholland Drive is maybe in my top three movies ever made. I think it's incredible. And David Cronenberg has titles that are in my top ten horror movies ever made. He doesn't have a movie, though, that is in my top movies ever made. But that being said, David Cronenberg has done a lot more movies than David Lynch. And I did not like Inland Empire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> David Cronenberg didn't get it. He lost me on that one. Oh, fuck my life, man. I, I, I do a horror podcast. I'm a horror fan. I've done a roundtable on Cronenberg. If I had to eliminate one, as much as it would pain me to say, and I will never, never be happy again living in a world without this man. But yeah. Are you saying David Cronenberg can't exist at all? As in... No. They're, they're, he is totally erased from the universe. He never happened. Right, so yeah, well, uh, David Lynch has to go because Doctor Decker is one of the greatest villains of all time. Um, <laughs> so, so he's one of the greatest villains of all. No, yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would keep, I would keep Cronenberg because I'm sticking to my, I'm sticking to my genre roots. And yeah, Cronenberg's in my top three directors of all time in the horror genre. Uh, Lynch is in my top three directors of all time, but yeah, Cronenberg. Any anything, anything at all that anything Cronenberg wants to come back and do anything, he has me day one. If David Lynch released a movie, I would probably want to do a bit of investigation before I watched it. Okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <sighs> I've aged like ten years, man. Honestly, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's that's the point of Movie God. It's it's supposed to be terrible. It's supposed to be horrible oh. for the person playing. So uh, you you quitted yourself very well, Duncan. Oh. oh, but hopefully, hopefully, in this scenario, um, we invent some Cronenbergian machine which will create our very own David Lynch, um, and where we can. <laughs> no, I, I get the feeling that I, I've tried to create a loophole that just doesn't work. You can't cheat. You can't cheat. I can't cheat. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Cronenberg. Cronenberg all the way. Oh, right Canada. <laughs> I think I know of your national anthem. So. <laughs> That's about all I know of it as well. So we're tied there. Um, but yeah, okay. Excellent, though. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some music. We're going to play some podcast promos. Perhaps this gentleman's promo will be in there. And uh, we will be back with Dead and Buried. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, the Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Badasses, Boobs and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses all things Grindhouse, Exploitation, Drive-In and B-Movies. Your three hosts, Mike. We're going to discuss the Rene Martinez-directed picture, The $6,000... 
Last what? Time. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name of the Super movie. Super Soul that's, Brother. That's the name. When you that's start the movie. Your DVD cover. When you start the movie, the first thing that that's comes up says. is the title, and it says $6,000. Mark. And I've been around a girl stroking a horse's dick. Somehow, somewhere down the line, I'm going to use that clip against you. Shh. <laughs> Please do. And listener favorite, Iris. The deployment sock. And I'm like, deployment sock? What the fuck is a deployment sock? He goes, you know, you know that sock that you just use? Oh, my God. You guys are so gross. <laughs> See, so it happens for real. People do come inside. We'll make you question your political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop Sunday and can be found by searching for BB and BC Podcast via iTunes, Lipson, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and everywhere else you can download quality podcasts from. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at bbnbcpodcast.com.
ladies and gentlemen, as you know from listening already, that Paul and Daniel cannot be on this episode as far as the recording night goes uh, with Duncan, unfortunately. But Paul did want to give his opinion on Dead and Buried, so we're going to segue into a very brief little conversation I had with Paul on the night that we recorded on the Funhouse. Um, so we're going to go to that right now. All right, so I'm here with Paul, and uh, unfortunately he couldn't show up for the actual recording night, so we're just doing this a little ahead of time, and he, he wanted to give his thoughts on the film. So, uh, Paul, please give us your thoughts on Dead and Buried. Well, hi, guys. I'm here. I'm stuck in the mortuary right now, but I'll be back later. Trust me. <laughs> I just got done watching Dead and Buried, and it's a very crazy film. A lot of sexual content going on, but with some dark humor mixed in. Probably some of the best scenes in the film is some of the nurse scene action into the eye. It's very unhinging, but yet comical and sexy. And probably <laughs> the best opening of a film I've ever seen with that sexy pit of the photographer taking that off. With all that burning goodness from the the townsfolk, oh my god, that really set me up. It's a really fun film. It's probably one of the films that are so similar to like seventeen other films, but are absolutely unique at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a film. Might not be for everybody, but everybody that's a horror aficionado should definitely check this one out. I think it's one of the best films in that fucking genre that I've ever seen. But at the same time, not too many films in that genre. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Paul. And we'll be we'll go back to our uh, regularly scheduled podcast already in uh, motion, I guess. <gasps> All right. Dead and Buried from 1981. From the creators of Alien, terror brought down to Earth. Fear. So intense, it will stay with you to the grave and beyond. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. Yeah, what are you doing? Two murders, Dobbs. Both strangers. Two murders in a town no bigger than a postage stamp. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. I just lie still. I'm going to give you something. It's going to make you feel even better. place to visit but you wouldn't want to die there professional opinion is there any way whatsoever to reanimate people after they have died oh so lovely so frail so young how could anyone mar such loveliness here i will make you beautiful again even more beautiful than before. What did you do to our dogs? You will try to kill me, Dad. But you can't. You can only make me dead. Go on. Pull the trigger. Perhaps you need a little more motivation. 
Dan, I'm dead. Please bury me. Dead and buried. The movie you'll want to see. If you dare to look. Bury me. Dead and buried. Directed by Gary Sherman. Uh, written by Jeff Miller, Alex Stern, Ronald Shusett, Dan O'Bannon, and Chelsea Quinn Yarbo apparently wrote the novel that this uh, is either based on or ended up being the adaptation of. I don't know which. It is starring James Farentino as Sheriff Dan Gillis, Melody Anderson as Janet Gillis, Jack Albertson as William G. Dobbs, Dennis Redfield as Ron, Nancy Locke as Linda, Lisa Blount as Girl on the Beach, Robert England as Harry, Bill Quinn as Ernie, Michael Curry as Herman, Christopher Allport as George Lemoyne, and Joseph G. Medallis as the Doctor. And little synopsis here I pulled from IMDb. It says, from someone called Claudio Carvalho from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. There's a lot of people in, from Rio de Janeiro who seem to do these IMDb uh, <laughs> synopsis, as I've noticed. Because... <laughs> We've really been pulling from them a lot lately, and I, I seem I keep noticing a lot of people in Rio seem to use IMDb. So, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all written by people there. They're all written by people there. I, I, for a while, I had to I actually had to do a Google search to find out if the IMDb headquarters were in Brazil, yeah. um, but they're not. They're not. They're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his synopsis as follows. Sheriff Dan Gillis has a nice life with his wife, the teacher Janet Gillis, in a small coastal and friendly town of Potter's Bluff. When visitors are mysteriously killed in the town, Sheriff Gillis investigates the cases carefully and finds that dead people are reanimating and coming back to life. Dan finds a book of witchcraft and voodoo in his wife's drawer and he suspects that she might be practicing black magic. Dan meets the corner mortician William G. Dobbs and learns the dreadful and surprising secret. Um... That's both maybe a little too illuminating and also incredibly fucking vague. So good job, Claudio. Uh, I don't know. I, do, I don't know about that one. Um, it hits on a few things. but uh, We have not been having a good uh, batting average of these IMDb synopses. Uh, oh, no, say. some of them are. Some of them are absolutely horrendous. Uh, like, mm-hmm. really, 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 really bad. To the point where you're like, I'm not sure we watched the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, as you were saying, Duncan, this is the second time you've watched this film. When, when was the first time you watched it? And what are your sort of general thoughts of the film? So, a couple of years ago, I had a kind of other podcast called Doing the Nasty, which, mm-hmm. yeah, an unfortunate name, but it did fit with the, the topic, which was myself and my co-host, Andy Blockley, ran through all 72 movies on the Video Nasty list. Yeah. And um, believe it or not, Dead and Buried is a Video Nasty. It wasn't yeah. on the pro- it wasn't on the prosecuted, it was on the non-prosecuted list, so it didn't make the original 39. But, yeah, so it, it popped up on there. I remember the artwork from you know, going to video stores and stuff at yeah. the time. I, I never, I had no interest in this one, weirdly. The, the cover art, as an adult, I think looks amazing. But I think it was the fact that, you know, it has plastered on the front of it from the creators of Alien. I just assumed it was a sci-fi movie. Same here, um, yeah. And, I mean, it is kind of a little bit 
when you think of, I mean, mm -hmm. to me that when reviewing the movie, I watched it for that show, and I very boldly pro proclaimed that Dead and Buried of all the movies on the video nasties list that I had never seen, which was quite a lot, Dead and Buried was in the top percentile of ones that I really liked. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of it's like a more adult themed Twilight Zone episode yeah. and I think that's what I dug about it is that it's wonderfully absurd um, but what you have here is a director in Gary Sherman who has a wicked sense of humour clearly has a wicked sense mm -hmm. of humour but is not afraid to actually go vicious in this movie and that's kind of how it got its nasty status like in the first five minutes of this movie a man is burned to death wicker man style and it, you know it's very abrupt and very much at the forefront and when a lot of the movies were being judged on their nasty status most of the time a lot of the movies that made those ones uh, that shouldn't have been on the list were because it was a super violent act that happened at the beginning and that's as yeah. far as the person watched it was reviewing it for that list so man burned to death this is a bad movie put on the nasty list <laughs> and yeah i mean it does, it gets really quite sinister and really quite gruesome, but there's something about the way the rest of the kind of mystery, so to speak, works out that when those bits like land, they land with more impact because there is this kind of dark, kind of almost gallows humour that runs through the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. I also think as well that you have like this wonderful combo here of Gary Sherman who had done Deathline before this, which is another movie that I finally properly got a chance to revisit and watch uh, recently for the Horror Returns podcast. And okay. none of them liked it over there. It was all first watches for them. Oh, no. uh, and I, I really like that movie. I think, it's, I think it's really, really, really good. But so he was coming off the back of that and into this movie. And I think when you watch that movie as well, that one has a, a kind of very tongue-in-cheek sense of humour. So that he, he had a, a bit of power behind him in terms of his directing style, I think, which carries over well. But then you have Stan Winston is doing the practical effects in this movie, which mm -hmm. are kind of amazing. Um, yeah. And then you have the whole Dan O'Bannon fiasco in the background, which mm -hmm. was, I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, but Dan O'Bannon wrote the script before he wrote Alien, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. Um, so when it was going to be made into a movie, he basically tried to stop it happening. Yeah. <laughs> And Gary Sherman kind of said, right, well, what we'll do is we'll use the story, but we'll change it so it doesn't look like your script, Dan, and everything will be okay. And, and Dan O'Bannon was like, that's cool. And then they changed nothing. <laughs> they just kept the <laughs> script as it was and just made it anyway. And then they plastered right on the, the front of the thing that was from the creators of Alien, which is kind of cheeky. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I, was, I was watching like interviews with Dan O'Bannon and maybe I misunderstood what he said, but from the impression I got, they changed so much of what he had actually wrote that he, he just wanted to disown it. Like he, he said there was like yep. nothing of his in it because yes. this is, because uh, this is a film that was heavily changed by the producers. Um, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had a field day with this one. Yeah. They wanted more. Uh, there, apparently there was a bunch of reshoots. They, uh, they inserted a lot more gore into it. Apparently they took out a lot of the humor and they rearrange scenes, and uh, I'll, I'll point out like at least one very uh, noticeable thing in, in this film as, as we get through the review, uh, where 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 it's noticeable that oh yeah, this scene should have been like later on in the film, kind of thing. So yeah, I should I should I should have stressed that 
yes, the script's changed. Like, so he wrote the story, and but they kept his name on it, and that's mm. what he wasn't happy about. He's like, no, I never wrote. You've, you've, this is not my script now. And they were like, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, everything's going to be fine, Dan. And then his name was still attached to the project, and then they marketed the fact that it was from the creator of Alien on the front of it as well, which yeah. is not the best way to do business, you know what I mean? Especially if you want to... Well, it's a great way to do business if you want to sell a movie. It's not a great way to do business if you ever want to work with the talent of someone like Dan O'Bannon again. Yeah, um, Especially O'Bannon, who was a noted sort of like curmudgeon. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't really like people messing around with his stuff. But yeah, what, what I, yeah, I think when you add up all those elements together, the movie is almost, and this is something I think we discussed on uh, doing the nasty back at the time, is when you put this movie down in the company of the movies on the nasty list, this one feels too legitimately good as yeah. a movie to be considered a video nasty, in my opinion, watching it this time round for the second time ever and removed from watching it for the first time ever by about two and a half years is that not only does this movie hold up really, 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 really well, but there are elements here that I can see that work in movies around this time as well. So I love the idea of this small kind of town, this seaside town that makes me think of things like The Fog. You know, you've got those elements kind of peppered in the background. There's, you know, bits of kind of like Village of the Damned in here. You know, it's it's playing on a lot of, of things that we're familiar with heavily influenced by things like the Twilight Zone as well. And it, it all comes together in a package which is weird. You know, you like you, you are watching certain bits going, this is a, a kind of goofy town and we're going to get to the bottom of this. But, oh no, they've just stabbed this man with a hypodermic needle through the eye. Um, you know, <laughs> I just, I really just, it just takes massive 180s in terms of, of how the they approach the, the kind of gruesome scenes or the horror scenes in the movie right. in a way which I just think works brilliant and I think it's a movie that no one really talks about which is a shame because I think you could have more people I think if this got it says it like everywhere you read it's like it's a cult film I genuinely think with the right sort of restoration the right company behind it pushing it now is the time that people should be discovering this movie because there's a whole hell of a lot to like in it I I agree with you uh, totally here I I especially like the opening like like you said it feels like a bit of, you know, it sort of takes away from films that came before it. Like there's this paranoid feeling in the film that sort of fits into like invasion of the body snatchers or Mm -hmm. Stepford wives or something along those lines where the movie's slower paced and it's creepy. And you have this uh, sort of doppelganger doubling kind of idea going on. At least it seems like that at first because these dead people keep showing up in the town. You've seen them murdered. And then the next, scene you see them you know pumping gas or something like that when before they were a photographer uh, taking pictures Mm -hmm. on the beach and like that opening scene as the film opens it feels like an older 70s uh almost like a 70s tv movie horror movie of some sort you know uh yes piano music is very invocative of that sort of film and then immediately does a 180 and it's quickly into this all these people on the beach beating this guy down and then setting him on fire you know and also you get some nice boobies right at the beginning of the film too and Mm -hmm. so it's like okay this is there's a little bit of the old 70s horror in here but it sort of bridges into the 80s fairly well the producers you know 
they wanted more uh, gore and nudity in the film, apparently, so they stuck it in. And l- like you said, I think it works actually very well. Like it was a sort of a happy accident that having these jarring moments of gore and uh, more modern sensibilities stuck in this. What probably would have been a much more slower paced kind of mystery film if if it didn't have uh, that added gore and stuff in it. I think it kind of uh, does work. It, it kind of uh, takes this movie to interesting places. I liked how uh, the girl on the beach in the beginning, uh, there's some nice little writing there where she's innocently like asking these questions to the photographer. Like, uh, are you a famous photographer? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you, are you here from a magazine or whatever? It's like, Oh no, I'm just a schlub from New Jersey. It's like, oh, that's good. We can kill you now, and no one's going to miss yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some sort of weird like murder vetting process mm-hmm. um, that they go through. <laughs> yeah, I love the acting in this. Like, I think one of the biggest strengths in this film is is the actors. I mean, you, you've got everyone from Robert England to um, Albertson, Jack Albertson, who was most people know him from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as the grandfather in that right mm-hmm. that's right yeah. yeah i just think there's some really good writing like he's dobbs himself is kind of weird like he's, he's kind of he kind of, kind of comes off as this kindly old grandfather but when you first look at him and you know he's listening to his old big band music from the 40s or whatever um <laughs> and then he then he starts talking to people and he's always constantly like dressing people down mm-hmm. but kind of in like the ni- nicest way possible but He's got this really um, arrogant pride to him uh, where he's like really proud of his work. Like I, I do pieces of art when I reconstruct dead bodies and and, and the like, you know, and again, it's kind of one of those 180 things where you think, oh, he's going to be this, but no, he's, the, he's this other thing where he's uh, a much different character than you expected. Um, yeah. I yeah. Think, uh, I think that, that, I think that does though. I think to me, like even watching it this time around, I'd forgotten huge swaths of what happened in the movie and that's mm-hmm. not a slight against that. I just I, I watched so many movies and when I was introduced to that character again I fell into the same trap I did watching the first time where I was like is he involved no he's not is he no he's not involved he's not that well, no maybe he is and then about the halfway point I started coming back to me and I was like oh yeah all right now now I remember where we're going with this and he's great at that it's like you see mm-hmm. the, the kind of dual performance here which you kind of get basically with almost every character in this movie kind of post post-mortem mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean when they come back they're completely different people than they were that we saw before they were offed you know now acclimated into the town uh, and now have their little job to perform which is not the job they were doing before and yeah their personality is completely changed and all the rest and he's a great example of that he is so patronizing to our main cop hero guy through this one keeps referring to him as his prodigy which you know in the context of which he's using doesn't make any sense because this guy doesn't have anything to do with you know um reconstructing dead bodies or or, or anything to do with that but he keeps referring and it is this way of kind of making himself more important yeah. by just saying these things. It's, it's wonderful. He's brilliant in this movie uh, yeah. as, our, as our buddy from Willy Wonka. He's, he's, he's excellent. And he plays it just with the right amount of kind of moustache-twisting, villainous performance sort of thing kicking in where you just you expect that whenever he's he, he's sitting with those... And it's like milk, the kind of bottom of milk bottle thick glasses it wears mm-hmm. which just add to the persona as well it's a, it's a genius bit of casting 
there's some good shots of that too with those but with those uh, uh coke bottle uh, bottom glasses there where uh sometimes the, the camera will shoot him uh, especially near the end of the film the camera at one point shoots him in a sort of climatic scene from uh sort of point of view of his feet and looking up and it totally distorts his eyes and bugs them right out like in a really obscene and comical way at the same time yeah yeah just yeah. adds, adds to the, the, that tone in the movie, which is just wonderfully weird. I like just the atmosphere of this. Again, the slow mystery part of this that's still intact in this film, it does build up the suspense really well. You're right, going into it, you wonder, okay, is Dobbs involved or isn't he involved? And the movie sort of plays him as a red herring once in a while mm-hmm. until until you get to the end and it's like, oh yeah, he's, he's actually involved. And, you know, and... <laughs> And he actually gets this uh, almost James Bondian villain reveal at the end, explaining his plans or whatever. But he doesn't quite explain everything at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the film's strengths as well, because the film really doesn't explain everything. It actually leaves you with a lot more questions than answers at the end. I mean, it, it builds to this very climatic, get you kind of uh, scare at the end. One of these uh, EC Comics kind of final panel kind of ideas, totally. you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but, I also think as well the way, because <laughs> the way the movie's constructed, actually, when you when you mention EC Comics, that you know, if you shortened this right down, this would comfortably fit in Creepshow. It really, really would, and mm-hmm. um, you could do like an adaptation that way for sure. But when you watch a movie like this as well, I think this acknowledges the like we, we compared it to about five or six movies that precede it. But I think on some level, like it, it allows movies like Creepshow um, or even something like uh, Halloween 3 is another mm-hmm. great example of a movie which does very, very similar to what this yes. does. In fact, it's scarily similar now that I think about it and yeah. that our, our main guy is trying to, you know, bring down this mystery by this maniacal old dude that's <laughs> like a puppet master sort of guy and they both have kind of EC comic book style endings which result in both main characters screaming actually never. <laughs> <laughs> it's got got that uh yeah that's that's a good point uh it it has this you know like the because the sheriff is technically sort of an outsider because he they they uh mentioned that he was born in the town and he's come back to be sheriff in the town yeah Um, so he's gone for a while so he's kind of an outsider it's that sort of standard horror trope of the peculiar little town where either an outsider comes in or someone who used to live there returns like in salem's lot or something along those lines right yeah and they have to uncover whatever deep secret is uh, changed the town and made it gone bad. And this film does a beautiful job of it. You know, it really reminds me more so than even like uh, the fog or invasion of the body snatchers or anything like that. Uh, have you ever seen Messiah of Evil from 1974? I have not. No. This one really reminds me of Messiah of Evil. Um, it's, it's one of those films that, for the longest time, was only on those uh, Mill Creek 50-packs or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I think it just recently got a Blu-ray release. And it's an abused classic, I guess I'd, I'd say, because it's one of those <laughs> ones that was really good, but just sort of disappeared for the longest time and was just shitty prints of it. But it, it's got a lot of the same sort of ideas here, where you know, like a, a person coming back to their hometown and finding that it's gone bad. And there's some similar scenes, like there's some really disturbing attack scenes here, where these mob of people in the town attack outsiders who come to the town, especially the uh, 
the family that comes in. And there's similar scenes in Messiah of Evil that are, are very, very much like that, where the, these big mobs of uh, people suddenly attack an outsider from, who comes into the town. So highly recommend it. Yeah, I've shoved it on my list now, so I will hunt that down. Yeah, I think the the eyeball scene is amazing. Um, I think it rivals Fulci's stuff. Oh, um, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's helped especially by the fact that the way it's done, it it gives you a it puts the eyeball in a frame, so you mm-hmm. can't help but keep looking at it. You're, you're just drawn to it. The the uh, bandaged up guy. Uh, he's got one eye left. If you haven't seen the film, she sticks a needle right in there, but it's, there's this like big square uh, cutout from the bandages where he can use that eye to see out. And uh, it just sort of draws you into it. It's like a really brilliant construction. Uh, yeah. Like I say, all the, the, the deaths in this movie are, you know, malicious, like really, really, mm. really gruesome. And even, even by, it is almost that kind of, I, I think you kind of touched on it. I think, it's an accurate point where it is, this movie is kind of a hangover from the 70s in a lot of respects and that, you know, if you remove this, what, maybe two years from from this movie, you don't, you wouldn't get that eyeball scene. That would be too gruesome. It would have to be yeah. goofier and it'd have to do something. You'd have to make it either more over the top or, you know, they'd have to cut it back. You wouldn't just get it as raw as you do on the screen in this movie. And it, I, I think it speaks to that, you know, the kind of rawness that come across from the seventies, but mm-hmm. whether it's you know people being set on fire, the, there's a scene where a kind of drunk man is kind of attacked with a harpoon and mm-hmm. they slice his throat, and it's one of the best kind of early eighties practical effects for like a like a throat slice or just a skin slice that you will see when you consider movies like Friday the Thirteenth and stuff like that are out at that point with, you know, Savini effects and all the rest. I, um, yeah. This is amazing. I, I think some of these effects are right up there of the Prowler, which we did on your show. Um, yes. Oh, definitely. I agree. Totally yeah. agree. I, I was really impressed with them. Um, they still hold up really well. Like you, you can't really see the, uh, the seams in these from what I read, apparently the uh, burn victim in the bandages Apparently, all of that was basically prosthetics. It was it was like a dummy rigged up to move. From what I've read in in the uh, IMDb trivia, anyway, for what that's worth. But um, oh, apparently, yep. apparently, they say it's a mechanical dummy. So uh, all the lifelike detail and elaborate movements that you see in it were all rigged just to give the appearance of a real person in there. So they could you know come up. So they could get away with doing the the needle stab in a big, bigger shot, I guess, basically, you know, they, they didn't have to do an extreme close up with it. So uh, yeah, that's clever. That I like that. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd uh, like to say about this one, uh, Duncan or. Yeah. I think it's the, to me, the, the, the strength of the movie lies, not only you will mention casting, which I think is phenomenal, special effects, which are phenomenal, but I just want to kind of double down on the story, which mm-hmm. feels familiar at times but like I said it does really keep you guessing throughout as to you kind of think you have an idea of what's going on but I love the fact that this movie essentially has three endings in rapid fire succession (laughs) so our our kind of first ending is we find out what the the deal with the town is and that our our sheriff's you know uh, wife has become victim to this and, you know, the, the sheriff does what he has to do, takes, you know, t- decapitates the head of the, you know, 
society, the secret society, mm-hmm. and, and goes to take care of his wife and you know then manages to escape from a, a group of marauding people that are then trying to get him so you get this that that's kind of like the first ending the second end is you kind of think that he might it, it might be a completely evil ending where they get him and kill him and um, so that becomes the kind of second end and he manages to right. escape that and then we get the the very final ending which is that he doesn't know that he's been a part of it for a while mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the ec comic ending for sure yeah um but i think it works it's just that it's just this kind of cherry on top of a sunday i just think it's it's perfect and it's timed perfect as well and then you're just left with with that as your final kind of final shot of our head honcho saying it's okay i can fix you and you're just like Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I it's love it. Really, it, if you think about it too hard, too, it shouldn't work, but it does just just mm-hmm. based on the fact that it's so shocking. Because when you think about it, there's no reason for Dobbs to have this sheriff running around trying to solve this mystery when he's been one of his zombies all along. Like, it, yeah. it, there's a that's a big hole in the plot, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because the film has this sort of surreal vibe to it anyway, where you just don't know what the hell's going on. And the shock at the end is it, it very much is like a cherry on top. It, it's, it just strikes home and it's like, Oh shit, I got to watch this film again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause the, cause when you watch it, I think when you, cause I'm keen to do the same, I'm keen to watch it back through to see if there's a point that we can work out when it happens. Mm-hmm. Because I'm assuming it happens sometime during the story because his wife, it's not evident when his wife changes. Well, she yeah. starts becoming more fixated on things like witchcraft and stuff, mm. which I think is maybe to show the twist. And it looks like she kills him once she has been changed. Yeah. Which means that he must become part of the conspiracy at some point during the movie. And I'm wondering if there's a clear switch that we can but, see that in there once we know the knowledge or if it is just played flat all the way right through. Um, yeah. and either way I think it's brilliant if they do you know either way but yeah I th- I just it shouldn't work you're right it should be one step too far it should be eye rolling in the back of the head we should be sitting there going really is that really but we don't and like when the movie finishes I just sit back and think what an incredibly well acted well constructed mm. well shot great atmosphere great score um, I agree with you on the score. I think the score mm. is brilliant. I think the guy that did it won an Academy Award, not for this movie, but I'd been in the, the industry for years, like decades before. So he came from a more kind of classical style of writing uh, scores for movies. You add that in, and then you just put in this really kind of almost borderline goofy sense of humour mashed against or juxtaposed hard against some really gruesome death scenes. And then mix all that up, and what you get is, I think, a woefully underrated piece of 80s horror cinema where it comes out in a year where everyone is talking about about 100 other movies. And and rightly so, 81's a super strong year for horror. But Dead and Buried just kind of, it almost feels like, it feels like it didn't do well in the UK, probably because it was on a nasty list, which meant that only a certain group of people would have sought this movie out. And because it came out elsewhere against, you know, bigger franchises or bigger, bigger names, it's just kind of been a bit maligned there. Uh, I think it's, I think it's a great movie. If you've not seen it, and even if we spoiled, we have a bit Mm -hmm. in the movie, I would still say, watch it. There are a few movies from this time frame that are constructed the way Dead and Buried is, which is, 
with a really deft hand with someone that knows what he's doing. And like you said, you get a Robert England kind of small cameo bit, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. You know, he's, he's still not Freddy yet, and he's yeah. coming off movies like uh, say, Eating Alive. Uh, yeah, um, Eating Alive, yeah. Which was also a, a video nasty. So there we go. It's the circle mm-hmm. of life. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, as a brilliant movie. I love it. Yeah. My name is Buck and I'm raring the fuck. <laughs> you hear that, Quentin Tarantino? We know where you stole it from. We know. We know QT. You bastard. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like this. I, I think it's way better than it has any right to be, considering all the fuckery that went behind the scenes on it. Because mm-hmm. there, there are some scenes that are rearranged. The really pretty hitchhiker who is has her head smashed in by a rock. And then you have that really great reconstruction scene, by the way, that little montage where uh, a Dobbs gives her a new face, which is that still holds up too. That looks really good. Um, Mm. You can see her earlier in the film in the mob. So you can see where some of these (laughs) these scenes have been rearranged where, where they attack that family and, and, uh, and kill them. She's in the mob in that. So uh, you, you, if you are paying like really close attention, you can definitely see these things, but they don't take away from the impact of the film, I think. I think it's, it's a nice little happy accident that there was enough talent behind this that even when the producers fucked with it, it still came together as a really impactful horror film that's uh, creepy and, and in a lot of ways subtle and a lot of ways big. And uh, ultimately it works. So um, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. Budget for this, I've seen estimates between three to six million. Unfortunately, the box office was two hundred and sixteen thousand. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why it's, it's sort of swept under the rug. It, it didn't get any video releases so much. Like it was out of print pretty quick. Yeah, there used to be. I mean, this is one of the more notable VHS boxes back in the day though because that that poster is so stunning but i'm like you i didn't watch this till i got a dvd player years ago because back in the day i wasn't a big sci-fi fan and i mm-hmm. thought it was a sci-fi movie that's i was right with you i was like that's some weird sci-fi movie i don't know what the hell that is um it looks like it, it could almost be like the poster artwork looks like it could almost be in an alien planet as well which doesn't mm-hmm. help the way it's colored and it's wholly misleading in some respects i think it it, it does a movie I credit because when you do sit and watch it, you find it is nothing like what you yeah. think it is. But on the at the same time as well, when you're putting that movie out in the decade of garish artwork, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You kind of want it to. You kind of want it to be more leaning towards uh, something which is related to the movie, which this really isn't. Yeah, yeah. DVD info for this. I believe there used to be an Anchor Bay version of this long, long time ago that was dirty as fuck and Mm -hmm. blew underground as they were wont to do, basically took all of Anchor Bay's horror titles at the time when they started up. And they did a really nice little uh, limited edition two DVD set in 2003. I have that. It's still a really dirty picture. There's a 2009 Blu-ray, which I assume looks way better. So that's (laughs) probably the one you want to grab. And a little bit of trivia here, just a few other little notes. This was Jack Albertson's final film. He was actually suffering from cancer during the shooting of this film. So, uh, but apparently he lived long enough to see it. So uh, that's good. Gary Sherman, purposely avoided letting the color red be visible in any scene so that the uh, blood in the murder sequences would be more shocking, which 
just makes me want to rewatch the film now and see if that's true, if that's what he did. Yeah. Uh, it, it also says the taillights of vehicles were replaced with purple lights instead of normal red in order to keep that thing going. So, Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So now I got I got to check that. I, I hope they didn't like go into the DVD and think, oh, that's a mistake and color correct it to red or something. Cause that, you know what they're like as well, the bastards. Yeah. Duncan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show finally. We'll have to do it again much sooner than uh, a year and a half or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, anytime, man. Absolutely anytime. As long as movies like these keep making their way into the conversation, I will happily come back and discuss any of them at all. Awesome. Um, you have the floor now. You can take as much time as you like. Uh, pimp all of your stuff for the audience, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll pimp two things, the kind of two main projects that I'm involved with. And you've mentioned both of them already, which is cool because that it means I don't have to spend too much time on them. Uh, mm-hmm. My main show is Podcast Under the Stairs. It's currently the content's coming out too quick on that show um, just because there's so much to discuss in horror at the moment. So it's standard as about between two and three episodes a week at the moment. It looks like it'll continue that way towards the end of the year. Uh, But it discusses everything from kind of old school horror movies through to uh, like brand new releases. Uh, It's usually me and a guest. Sometimes some episodes just myself. And we we have like a subset of shows. It's become like a, a variety show of just mm-hmm. different ideas that I quite like doing. And it keeps me interested as long as I'm not, you know, stuck doing like just slashers or something because I drive myself mad. And mm-hmm. you can check that out on <laughs> iTunes by searching Podcasts Under the Stairs. You can go to the website, which is tputzcast.com uh, or um, check it anywhere else. It's everywhere at the moment, so it's easy to find. The other one I do is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. It's kind of morphed. It used to be movies. It's now mostly TV, and it's myself and Bo Ranstall, who is the kind of uh, guru behind Legion Podcast Network. We do a show called Duncan and Bo Come Correct, where we have most recently been taking kind of modern TV shows and going episode by episode when they're coming out for people to consume them on whichever station you're checking out. Uh, this year, we have uh, looked at Westworld. We looked at X-Files, although we're not acknowledging that we looked at X-Files. <laughs> we're trying to scrub that from the, the, the memory banks. But last year, things really kind of came into their own. We spent pretty much the whole of last year going through Twin Peaks. So we went through the entirety. So, yeah. Although that doesn't exist anymore because I That's killed right. David Lynch. Mm-hmm. So, there we go. So that doesn't exist anymore either. So basically, <laughs> me and Bo haven't podcasted for, well, did Westworld recently, uh, but hadn't podcasted for a year in yeah. between that. But yeah, so I, I like that as well. Me and Bo are very like-minded in a lot of respects. And that is a show which started off with us both picking movies the other one hadn't seen within a genre or a, like a, type of movie and then deciding between our, ourselves who had the best pick and uh, you if you listen back to that there's about 36 movies that we both highly endorse and say are phenomenal movies that you should check out and then, like I say it's TV stuff now you can find that on Legion Podcast Network you can actually find almost all of Duncan's stuff or perhaps all of Duncan's stuff at Legion Podcast still I believe like it's all archived there since you parted ways with the Podcast Network yeah, yeah. yeah. I want, just want to stress uh, that it was all in good 
It was all mm-hmm. good terms. I don't know how fully I've explained it in different places, but Legion Podcast Network, very tight base just now. Lots of new shows over there. And uh, a show which is in, as independent as mine just takes up time, admin time for Bo. It takes up a lot of room. And plus the content I'm putting out, three episodes a week, it shunts yeah. things down in an unfair comparison. That's kind of why I've moved away from doing that, is to allow other shows an opportunity to get a bit of profile <laughs> without like, oh, there's another podcast under the stairs episode drop again. So that is why I'm <laughs> off the network. Still heavily linked with them and all the hosts over there. But yeah, that's why I'm not on it anymore. Yeah, uh, it's all good stuff. Uh, I, I would highly recommend if, you, if you're if you new to uh, podcasts under the stairs, and if you are, you're, I don't know what's wrong with you, but check out the uh, Baz versus Horror uh, series and check out the... Uh, <laughs> Check out the uh, top 10 uh, series that they do uh, during the summer. They've gone through the 1970s and the 1980s. Uh, this year, you're, you're concluding that. You'll, you'll have the sort of roundtable concluding uh, that uh, very soon. And mm-hmm. uh, th- those are, I think those are really good introductions to uh, podcasts under the stairs if you want to dive in and see what Duncan is all about for podcasts. So there you go. And you can find us, of course, at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find all of our links to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. That's the best way to find out what's coming up on the podcast. Do not know what's going to happen. Um, this is being recorded uh, for a future date, so this is kind of a couple weeks out before this gets posted. So we'll apparently have some plans by then, hopefully. Been trying to cook up something with the uh, Cinema PsyOps boys. Hopefully we might get that with, done within the interim of this being posted. And uh, you'll find that out on the Facebook page. So join in and uh, see what's coming up. And until then... Again, thank you very much, Duncan. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you again when we see you. Goodbye. Bye.
You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Facebook group links, as well as podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.